What's up, everybody? This is Judy Day Cope. You're listening to Mad Love. Uh, let's get into it. Happy Friday. I'm in a good mood. I have a lot of energy. I'm not sure why. I did a pretty deep meditation this morning. I slept pretty good last night. I don't uh, don't have any problems with getting good sleep these days, thankfully. Thank you, CBD. And um, just want to say thank you to all the people who listen, who, uh, you know, have... If you listen on Spotify, I think you can interact with the podcast. Uh, so I had a comment yesterday that I published. And, uh, yeah, I, you know... I, I started this on an app called Anchor. Anchor got bought up by Spotify. And what was simple and fun and communal in Anchor is now all complicated. So it may take me a while to realize you left a a remark or find your message or whatever. But uh, if you listen through um, Spotify, they've basically adopted all the features that used to be on Anchor, but only on the Spotify app. So you can only interact and I can only add music if I put it on the Spotify app, which is sad because the Anchor app was dope. It really was. So thank you again, Gary Vaynerchuk, for for encouraging uh, people to get on Anchor and, and make a way for themselves. I, I think I've done that. Um, we're not in the millions of downloads, but for as little as I promote this podcast, uh, I'm very proud of, of the reach. You know, we're just under 70,000 downloads, which doesn't sound like a lot when you look at Joe Rogan's numbers. <laughs> but I I literally never, I think I've run one ad for this podcast. And there are multiple reasons for that. I don't broadcast the podcast because I don't need everyone to know that I have a podcast, if that makes sense. This is probably, you know, one of the dopest secrets I could keep. Um, and so, you know, there will be a time when I can talk more and I can be more free and open and discuss my work, but I'm just not, I can't do that right now. So I want to thank everybody for listening, uh, being so supportive. The people who know me, you guys reach out and, and say some of the nicest things and most supportive things. And, um, I appreciate that. I, you, you can listen to anything and you listen to me for 20 to 30 minutes a day. And that's dope. Thank you. Um, also, thanks for the feedback uh, for uh, about the dementia and the caregiving. You know, I don't want to be an alarmist. I think anybody who knows me knows I'm not what anyone would call an alarmist. If I see it as a problem for me, then it's going to be a problem for you. And it's my duty, I think, as a human to try to help you and maybe not uh, – maybe have you not walk into all the walls that I had to walk into because I literally did not notice or see quick enough, you know, what was going on with my mom and how her health was deteriorating. And I could tell something was off, but I just didn't know what it was. And to be fair, they're not going to tell you and they're not going to let you know that they can't do all the things that they used to do. And some of it is not just regular. I'm getting older. Some of it is I am getting older and I'm, you know, impaired and I don't want to tell you because you're going to put me in a nursing home and I don't want to go in a nursing home. And, you know, the biggest difference between caregiving and uh, raising kids, because a lot of people like it's just like having a kid. And it's like, but it's not. This person is grown and they know they're not your kid and they know you're their kid and they're the parent. And, you know, 
they're not interested in you taking over their lives. And you have to. There's a point where you just can't keep them happy. If they get sick, and it may not be Alzheimer's, it may not be dementia, it may be cancer, it may be Parkinson's, it may be nothing. It may just be they get old and need some help. But whatever it is, as long as they have their faculties, they're not interested in your help. <laughs> and they don't want you to take over their finances. And and I've had to do all of that. And some of it, you know, was a very difficult conversation. And some of it was like, yeah, great. I don't want to do this anymore. You know, it starts with little things like, you know, I don't know how to get in my bank account anymore and pay bills. So you start doing that. Then you notice, well, it's taking her three hours to put her medicine in the proper containers, you know. So you start doing that. And then, you know, it's like um, she can't find her way home when she's driving. Okay, let's take the keys. Okay, let's sell the car. And all these things happen, and you just have to do them, and the person may or may not want you to do that, and they may get upset. And it's weird because I was explaining to um, one of my friends yesterday, actually an ex who's a friend, I'm telling you God is doing a work in me because I used to not do that. So <laughs> friends with exes, ooh, and, it, you know, not that we didn't part. I mean, we parted the way people part, but it wasn't, you know, wasn't all hostile and crazy like kids do now. It was just like, okay. But still, an ex, and I'm friends with him, so that's incredible. I'm uh, growing. Anyway, <laughs> as I was telling him yesterday, it's it's weird because dementia is subtle. It's not like one day they just look at you and they're like, who the fuck are you? And they just don't know anything, and that's the the you know marker. Like, that's it. That's where they are. It's not like that. Um, and it's going to be different for everybody, but it goes in waves. With my mom, it's like one day she's lucid and she remembers things and she puts things together in a in a good way. And then the next day, uh, not so much. And then the, one, the day after that, she might not know who I am. But then the next day she's like, Judy. And it's like, okay, well, you know I'm Judy. And then she'll know I'm her daughter. You know, it's weird. It's just, it goes it just comes and goes. It's like the tide. It's not this line in the sand where this person just, that's it. She lost her memory today. It's not like that. And I think that's what's tricky. And for me, like when I try something and it, it seems to have cleared the fog, I, I'm like, good, we've reached a solution. But we haven't because then the next day she will walk out and just be like, who are you? And so that doesn't really hurt my feelings it really doesn't. I can't explain why. I don't know. It hurt me when it, when my dad, but I was much younger too. And when my dad just didn't know who I was, I didn't want to appreciate any of the nuances of his disease. Hey, I just reacted like a kid because it just hurt, 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 hurt me. And I was probably like 30. <laughs> I was 20. It was like 20 something years ago. So I was much younger and it, it bothered me because I was really close to my dad and he was my go-to parent and my cheerleader and my protector. And just to lose all of that, it was really, really sad and hard for me. Um, and I handled it like a total brat. No kidding. I'm I'm not embarrassed. I'm not proud. It just is what it is. So with my mom, it's different because 
you know, she's actually sweeter in a lot of ways than she used to be with me. And we have our moments. It's not all crying and stuff. We have some laughs. She can still, she still chuckles at a few things. Um, Like I told you, (laughs) she still remembers that Dick is a naughty thing, which is funny because that was my dad's name. Like, that's what they called him. And she was like, oh, like she doesn't remember him, but she remembers that Dick is like naughty, you know. She was like, oh, 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 oh. I was like, Ma, this is my dad. He, that was his name. She was like, you guys, oh, <laughs> that's hilarious. All right, on to the next. This has really been um, on my mind all night. I just saw that uh, SAG has also, I think it's SAG and AFTRA, AFTRA, I can't remember. I think that's what it is. I can't believe I'm congested still. Um, they're going on strike. So the Actors Guild is on strike. So actors and writers are on strike. And I'm going to be honest with you. This is probably the worst time. If you're a business owner, so say you run a studio, you're probably devastated that this is happening. The directors came to an agreement, but they have nobody to that's going to write or act. So that's what's fascinating. And I do believe without being, you know, hyperbolic, that this is probably the end of the film industry as we know it today. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I really don't. I think the studios are too big. They're too powerful. I, as a business owner and a capitalist, I understand, you know, how the greed can can overtake you. But as an artist... And a creator, I'm frustrated because I don't think Hollywood is representing what, you know, Americans want to see. And I know that's true because that's why YouTube is so popular. You know, there's things on YouTube that you would never see. And it's good, high quality stuff. But the, they they wouldn't show that or they wouldn't make a TV show like that. Um, so, you know. Uh, and there are films that aren't being made. So, like, there's this film right now that's out about child sex, traffic, sex trafficking. And I'm not sure why they keep trying to make it. I don't, I can't speak on Jim Caviezel. He seems to have gone his own way. But I know they keep saying that he's crazy and he's QAnon and all this stuff. And, you know, I think they've gone out of their way to try to dismiss him and this topic. Ask anybody in any kind of law enforcement and they will assure you that sex trafficking is happening. It's happening right now. There's a child that's being sex trafficked and specifically child sex trafficking. We know that there are, are people who get sex trafficked um, and it's egregious and horrible, but I don't think people fully process that there is a street market value for your infant for sex. There is someone who wants to have sex with your infant, which is disgusting and horrific. And I know this. I'm not saying it because I I think it's a fun thing to talk about. It's not. It's horrible. But it's happening. And so I find it really strange that, that Hollywood just has a hard time with Jim Caviezel in this movie he made. It's an independent movie. I think they, they did some crowdfunding. Um, and I'm not sure why they don't want to talk about it because it's happening. 
And it's happening in Hollywood. There are a lot of actors that you can find and they uh, will tell you, you know, that there's a, a child sex ring going on in Hollywood. I believe it. I absolutely believe it. Because where you have people and power, you have perversion. There are going to be people who are perverted. And the only difference between them and the guy who's on a regular internet site looking for someone to molest is they have the money and the lawyers to keep them safe. The reason why Woody Allen didn't go to prison is because he had a connection with the FBI and maybe the sheriff of the New York town that he lived in with Mia Farrow, and uh, they dismissed the case. He had a powerful attorney, and he had a powerful PR company that could write all these press releases and make it seem like Mia Farrow was nuts and that, you know, he didn't molest his daughter. And I believe this was his biological daughter. I think he had two biological children, uh, Ronan Farrow and uh, Dylan. Oh, I think they both were his biological kids. And then he married one of his adopted kids. And that's disturbing. That's weird. And people act like it's not. And so, listen, I love Annie Hall. I think Manhattan is one of the more beautifully filmed movies I've ever seen in my life. But I'm not going to pretend you didn't do this to your daughter who tells a harrowing tale. It was an HBO uh, special that you probably should watch. I can't remember the name of it, but it was very good. And when you I tend to believe victims because most victims don't want to talk. That's usually the number one uh, sign. Like, do you remember if you watched uh, Tina on HBO? Uh, She didn't want to talk about Ike. She didn't want to talk about Ike then even for the documentary. And she's like, the whole reason why I shared what happened to me with Ike was because I wanted to stop talking about it. Because that's what victims normally want to do. They don't want to talk. Anybody who runs up to you and is like, and let me tell you what happened to me, a lot of times... It's not real because most victims are victimized. It's traumatizing and they don't want to talk. So, yeah, I believe some shit's going on in Hollywood and I believe some of it's awful. Do I believe that's everybody? No. But when I was there, I felt for myself something that did not sit right with me. There were too many. um, The energy was just off. And there were too many instances where I felt like this is just not not what it seems like I'm I'm standing in these rooms and we're having these conversations and you're you're talking to people who pretend to be other people for a living and there's something you know that can be off and I'm not saying that's all people I'm saying that's some people just like everything else like there's some good police officers there's some bad police officers there's some great doctors there's some evil doctors you know it's pervasive everywhere And there's some people in Hollywood that are not who they seem. They're not good people. And it's it's easy to get wrapped up and caught up in that. And I'm not sure why they don't want to talk about this particular topic. But if you've noticed, in the last 20 years, you would never get a movie like All the President's Men made in, in current Hollywood. You would never get a movie like even JFK. Kevin Costner's JFK, that wouldn't even get made. Oliver Stone wouldn't have a career. Um, They're not interested in telling you anything. 
The stories now are so shallow and so vapid. And then people are blaming the woke culture, which I hate that word. I won't use it anymore. I just don't like it. I don't like what it represents. Um, because it obviously never was really a real thing anyway. So they keep blaming it on this kind of philosophy, you know, where you you have to have so much representation and inclusion. And the reality is, I'm not saying that that doesn't have a, that that's not a, a problem or can't be problematic. But I do think some of this liberal philosophy is getting in the way of what film really is about, which is telling great stories. If you tell great stories, it doesn't matter. Some people are going to be included and some people won't. But but the point of a, a great film is to tell a great story, to move characters from A to B. That's it. To start to start your characters in one place and to take them to another place by the end of the film. That's it. That I can't explain it more simply than that. And it is the job of the writer and the actors and the director and all these people that come together to take these characters on this journey and you as an audience member to go along with it. And right now, they don't want to take you anywhere. They just want to make you watch a bunch of robots or cartoon characters or or comic book people come to life that's all they care about and some will say it's just for the money and some of it is for the money because they've gotten so big they they spend a hundred million they 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 have to make you know 200 million to break even fine but you can still tell good stories so if this system is completely broken like it was, you know, in the late the late 50s and early 60s uh when people just got tired of watching these giant bloated talking, dancing, singing movies um and it just crashed to the earth and all the people who didn't have a real interest in film moved on to something else, then, you know, you got these complete nerds who picked up cameras and and found regular looking folks and made these deeply entertaining not big budget movies and even if the budget you know was was more than they wanted to spend it was still an artistic statement see the godfather you know uh Brian De Palma has a whole bunch of very interesting movies that you can see they they he wasn't trying to get rich. And I think that was that's probably the biggest problem with the current version of Hollywood, but a strike, a writer's guild strike and an actor strike this close to COVID, they haven't even recovered from COVID yet. And uh it's it's a lot of these companies aren't going to make it. There's going to be a dramatic change. And this is this is the difference between between the people who've been playing chess and the people who've been playing checkers. If you've been handling your business and paying attention and, and strategizing and, and maximizing income streams, you can endure a strike. If you haven't, you're going to struggle. And a lot of people are going to struggle. And a lot of businesses, a lot of industries, well, industries, a lot of 
studios are not going to survive, not intact. There, there will be blood, which is also a very good film, by the way. There will be blood with uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. Anyway, it's something. It's something. And, you know, I'm not in the industry the way I want to be. But I have a feeling I will be soon <laughs> because this this is this is going to be very, very different. And a lot of people aren't going to uh, even want to be bothered, which is good. I think this is this is going to shake out the people who aren't really passionate about film. It was just their hustle. It was just how they made cash. And uh, they'll be on to the next thing. And this thing is going to be in ruins. It's going to be like this after the Civil War. Um, or World War II. It's just going to be decimated. Um, You've got all this new technology coming. You've got these greedy people who are still making millions as CEOs of these companies. Many of them are reviled. You know, there's just going to have to be a paradigm shift. And this is part of what I was talking about yesterday. Like, we need a new paradigm. Um the universe, God, whatever you think is in charge of this is begging us to be better humans, better citizens, better to each other. And it's going to get ugly. It's going to be uglier before it's prettier. And something about me, I am into running into emotionally burning buildings. I am I am not afraid. So my dream of film is is not even close to being dead. I have more content and material than I've ever had. I'm excited. I'm encouraged. And I put it right out here right now. I expect to be have it. I expect I have my own studio. I have, I just decided the other day, I'm like, what am I waiting on? And I'm like, well, I need studio backing. And I'm like, I hate the studios. Not Warner Brothers because I interned there. And you know, I could see myself working at Warner's. Don't I, don't ask me why. It does not have a good reputation right now. <laughs> but I could see myself doing that. Because um, you're going to need somebody to fix it. You're going to need somebody to come in and fix all these broken relationships. So they're going to have a different type of person drawn to the film industry right now. And they, A, love film, and B, love people, and want to build relationships back. And... The current type of person they've been having obviously isn't going to be able to do that. And so you've got all these people who hate studio heads right now because studio heads aren't struggling. They're firing people so they can keep their bonuses, which looks horrible. And I I don't know anybody who needs to make $70 million. How much is your company making if the CEO can haul in 70 mil? You know, it's a fair question. But I'm putting it out there right now. I see myself running my own studio. I see that happening sooner than later. I see that happening now, actually. So, I mean, it's just time, like I said, chess versus checkers. And I uh, I don't like checkers. I like chess. So, we'll see how it goes. I've launched a lot of ideas on this podcast, but I they all get wrestled down by caregiving. But I feel like I've changed my relationship with caregiving. And, um, you know, if I execute things properly and if things go the way they feel like they're going, I'll be able to manage that situation without having it consume my life. Um, 
And a part of that is just it took a long time to even realize how sick she was to get help. And, um, you know, that whole thing, because it's a lot. It's a lot. And like I said, these things don't happen just, you know, oh, she forgot this and now she forgets it every day or, oh, she's just her memory's gone. And now she's just, you know, it's not like that. It's it's different every day. And her memory is different every day. Everybody's brain decays the way it decays. And some people will have steep drop-offs and some people won't. It's a lot. All right. I've talked a long time. Please be your best. Thank you for listening. And, like, let's let's make a plan. If you listen to this podcast, that means you think I say something of value. I appreciate that. I need to set up the sponsor thing. That just reminded me. So I appreciate that, and I thank you for that. And I'm I'm going to uh, I'm going to have a call to action because I do want to have my own studio. I have enough content for that, and I want you guys to be a part of it. I want you to invest in what I'm building. You've already invested your time and your brain, which I think is the most valuable thing. So you use your ears. I get into your ears, into your head every day. So let's build something great. You know, let's just build something great. I'm tired of bullshit. I'm tired of bullshit people. So let's just build something that's not bullshit. And that is our mission statement. (laughs) Fall in love with your life this weekend. Make it amazing. Happy birthday on Monday to my nephew, Jeremy. He's 39, y'all. If you know me, that's crazy. Because you know me and you go back with me, you know, he's he's been that little kid in my life for the last 39 years. That's insane. Happy birthday, Jeremy. All right, everybody, be your best. Have a great weekend. So you know they gotta have it, can't give it free Gotta charge a fee, make believe it's needed by an automatic uh, All eyes on me, gotta sacrifice time and privacy Me and Papa about to play hide and seek Go steal a Royce Royce, finna driving streets So, now the money's in play, keep a hundred in case Feeling sly, wanna buy the whole place Now the honey's in the days, the haters constipated Looking funny in the face, wait He expressed his sense of taste, he moving too fast He seeks success as pace uh, Smith and Wesson just in case, lunatics lose it Gotta keep my family safe, Hey. So now you got the fame, now they know your name, but you swear you never changed, huh? But that was all vain, cause now they know your name and now that is all changed, uh. I'll find a cow, I'm on a St. Thomas Aquinas until Judas Rusin with the pirates. Accusing Zeus of defiance, trying to knock him off his feet cause he beat the highest. But my mystique's Messiah, supreme ethereal being, I'm pleading peace and quiet. I beseech the liars who can't reach the pyre, I'm gonna meet the fire. But we need the needle cause we love the fame, we need the drug, we need the fix, we need the buzz. I'm a fiend, it seems, I need it cause, uh. It's the fame machine, I can feel it in my veins taking over, it's changing me. It's the fame machine, I can feel it in my veins taking over, it's changing me. It's the fame machine.
machine. I can feel it in my veins taking over. It's changing me. It's the fame machine. Can you motivate yourself to channel extra effort? Or will you heat pleasure? Living in heaven, having to watch your own legend. Cocaine with Cobain, no pain but more prone to throw things. Like Chris Brown pissed at his old dame. The fame being the reason your whole soul changed. But when your fandom cheers, you're shining that light like a chandelier. Can you tame the beast? Should've known I came and I came to feast in a Porsche with suicide doors. Parked in me winehouse, but do I die for? Huh. Truly I'm foreign, it's all bad apples like fruit and I'm orange. Will you sell your soul or ass like an old Kardashian show? Huh. Or go for fame like a pro and have the masses follow your actions around the globe? Either way, the blade favors none. Ask MJ what is facing up. Ask Miley Cyrus why she plays a slut. Yo, ask OJ, hey, who made you run? Huh. Fame, running plays for scum, money pays for some. A hundred ways to stun. I know I've done it as a favor like maybe once back when I wasn't born in 1981. Huh. Call me crazy, but I'm paid up front. I played to Beijing for an Asian lunch. Private planes, trains, and on the way you're blunt. Let me get these in Dubai, my favorite son. One. Fame machine, I can feel it in my veins taking over, it's changing me. It's the fame machine, I can feel it in my veins taking over, it's changing me. It's the fame machine, I can feel it in my veins taking over, it's changing me. It's the fame machine.